After a clean sweep of the Miami Heat, a tough-fought battle against the Brooklyn Nets, defeating Ice Trey and the Atlanta Hawks, and then coming down, coming back from down 2-0 against the Phoenix Suns. The Milwaukee Bucks have done it. They won the NBA Finals in six games, winning game six, 105-98. Of course, this is Cut to the Chase. I'm your host, Chase Williams, as always. Finals recaps, but a whole season recap tonight as the NBA season is over. We won't have basketball until October from the NBA. That's sad for me to say. But as always, I have my co-host with me, Kyle Bauer, Cooper Goble tonight. And right away, there's one thing we have to talk about. It's that finals MVP, Giannis, the Greek freak, 50 points tonight, 14 rebounds, uh, five blocks, but could have been six or seven, depending on what refs called, you know, those goaltends, whether it should have been, not should have been. Kyle, I'm shooting it right to you. Tell me, what was your opinions on Giannis's whole finals performance? Because, honestly, it was one for the ages, in my opinion. Yeah, I had so much fun watching him play tonight. Like, the dude, I mean, I my prediction for tonight, and I know we didn't do predictions for this one. We didn't have a, a podcast previously. And, like, my predictions have been off for this entire series, other than game one. Um but for my prediction for this game was that Giannis is going to put his team and his city on his back, and yet the Bucks were going to find a way to lose it. I was almost right. Uh, the Bucks did find a way to win it, but it's only – I don't want to say only. It's – the reason is Giannis had 50 points. Like, the dude put his entire city on his back. It was an incredible game by him. Drew Holiday had a few good uh, plays here and there. Middleton hit a couple good shots. Bobby Portis was still awesome off the bench, but this was Giannis's game. This was Giannis's championship, and he deserves it. Cooper, what was your opinion on Giannis and what he did this whole series? I think he officially cemented himself as the best player in the NBA. I mean, it's been it's been up for grabs or that title, um, best in the league currently. That's been up for grabs for. Two or three years now is kind of a debate between a few different players. But after this six-game series and this playoff run as a whole, I, I, I don't think any other player can really even be argued. Like, he may not be the flashiest or whatever, but Giannis is so dominant on both ends of the floor, and I don't think there's ever been a player or ever will be another player that can do what he does the way that he does it. Giannis definitely had the best season. Later on, we'll talk about who we think the best player in the NBA was is as a whole. Because you're right, it can change really pretty much on a weekly, on a yearly basis right now. LeBron getting older, injuries, stuff like that. It changes on a daily basis. But I have to shout out Giannis tonight. I've never been huge on Giannis. I've never like disliked Giannis or thought he was a bad player, but I also probably have never given Giannis the credit he deserves. Um, I probably bashed him last year during the playoffs as my Miami Heat. Kind of clobbered him, not going to lie, but he had a fantastic series. Tonight, he shot, what, 16 of 18, 17 of 19 from the free throw line, um, which is very unlike Giannis as he was shooting like 50% typically during the series. He had 50 points. He had a 40-point game earlier in the playoffs. He, I mean, earlier in this series. He was absolutely fantastic. I agree. He was the best basketball player this series. But I want to go all the way back to something I said um, after game one. You know, the, the Phoenix Suns won that game, and we saw a great game from Devin Booker. We saw a great game from Chris Paul. We saw a great game from DeAndre Eaton. And I said, if the Bucs want to have a chance, they cannot let the big three dominate every single game. And since then, we have not seen the big three dominate a single game at all. You know, there's been one, maybe two that have played well, but there's always been a player who has struggled out of those three on the Suns. And you saw tonight, you know, Devin Booker, he did end up with 19 points, which isn't great for him. Shot 8 of 22, including 0 of 7 from three-pointer. He did not play well. And DeAndre Aiden couldn't make a shot, it felt like, as he shot 4 of 12. Only had 12 points. It was in foul trouble again. As much as I do want to give credit to the Bucs, they did win this series. They did deserve this championship. They did hit shots when it mattered. 
Uh, Chris Middleton tonight with a clutch shot. Chris Middleton stepping up and having a huge game a few games ago, as well as we've seen, obviously, Giannis put up 50 tonight. They did what they did to win, but at the same point, did did the Suns lose this series for themselves by not performing? Um, so, Cooper, what what is your opinions on that tape? Well, I mean, it really all just depends on the way you look at it. Because, I mean, you can say that about any game or any series. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I could hear either argument. Sure, the Suns, like you said, they're big three. Other than game one, all three of them didn't show up for a single game, whether it was only one of them showing up or only two of them. A lot, I mean, you can credit a lot of that to Drew Holiday playing great defense, Giannis playing amazing defense, Chris Middleton being a great defender as well. Bobby Portis's injury, I or and not energy, or yeah, in, energy, not injury. Um, I, I think the Bucks won this series more than the Suns lost it. They were, I mean, to win four straight games after being down 0-2, that's that's on the winning team, not the losing team. Uh, see, I I agree with you, but I also disagree with you. Well, I completely agree. The Bucks won this series at the same time. The Suns really did lose this series for themselves. They, I believe if both teams were playing their top-tier basketball, which we saw the Bucs do for most of the series, I feel like, I think the Suns would have still won this series. But, Kyle, I'll shoot you the same exact question. I struggled with this because I do think the Bucs did what they needed to do to win. But the problem, you know, I look at how the Bucs won, and – most of those games were on the back of Giannis and not really on the backs of, of Middleton, Drew, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Fortis, all playing well together. It was a lot of Giannis doing work and then maybe one or two other guys performing. So I will agree with you and say that I do think that there, there is an argument to be made that the Suns lost this series, and it's not for any one person's fault. And I'm going to highlight the, the big three that you were talking about. Chris Paul did not take care of the basketball very well in this series. He lost a lot of balls on the dribble. Uh, He was making some pretty bad passes, which is very uncharacteristic of the point guard. Uh, He did not look good handling the ball to the point where late in the, in the game tonight, he was, he was refusing to bring the ball up. He was passing it to Devin Booker right away because he didn't want to be the primary ball handler, it seemed like. It seemed like he was a little bit scared to be that guy because Drew Holiday was playing such good defense. Uh, And then uh, DeAndre Ayton kind of took himself out of the game by being in foul trouble for, I think, three games of this series. He's been in foul trouble. And at the beginning of the series, I said that he was my dark horse MVP candidate. And when he's on the court, he is a difference maker for the Suns, but he wasn't on the court enough for them. And I think that was a huge problem. Him being in foul trouble really cost him this series. And then last but not least, Devin Booker. Uh, Loved the dude, scores out of his mind, still a great shooter, but he looked really immature uh, in the, the last couple games of this series. I think in Suns losses, Devin Booker looks looks like he's not prepared to be playing in a finals game. At least that's what it seems like to me. Uh, like when he'd have a turnover, he'd immediately foul somebody or he'd go and complain to the refs right away. Uh, it just seemed like he was kind of playing an immature basketball game. Uh, even though he was still putting up good numbers, uh, he was taking some questionable shots, um, kind of making some really dumb plays with the ball and, and defensively, fouling when he should not have been fouling. Devin Booker definitely, especially tonight, had a questionable game. Game three and game six were not great games. But game four, I watched the game. I can't talk too much about game five. That He had 40 in both. In game four, he was the only reason the Bucks. I mean, the, the Suns even had a chance at points. So, like, I agree. I disagree at points. And again, I don't want to discredit going back to the whole statement. I don't want to discredit the Bucks at all. They did exactly what they needed to do to win. They played good basketball. Um, not not fantastic basketball time, but good basketball. Good enough. Um, as you saw, they had like seven turnovers in the first quarter tonight. That's not great basketball, but they were still hitting shots. But also, the, the Suns lost the series at the same time. Like, it didn't matter. 
it did not matter that the Bucks played good basketball. The Bucks could have played average basketball and probably won this series just with the way it went. And it's very interesting because the Suns, you know, I don't think they played well this series. I've paid a lot of attention to them this season. Devin Booker was my preseason MVP pick. Um, I showed them a lot of love in the bubble last year. And every single game was close. So, you know, if the Suns played average basketball or played up to the level of the Bucks, I really do think that um, that they, they would have won this series. Talking as a whole, I do want to highlight more of Milwaukee because they had a great season. Um, you know, they they beat one of the best teams in the NBA in, in the Brooklyn Nets. There's no doubt about it. That was one of the most talented teams we've ever seen, even though they were definitely fighting injury throughout that series. Um, but really, you know, they went out and they made a move in the offseason after coming short to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. Um, you know, they did not change their coaching. Coach Bud's still out there. But Giannis... Giannis definitely matured over this past season. He looked like a different beast, especially during this playoff run, and was fantastic for the Bucks. And so I, I just think it, we, sh- I'm pretty much giving everyone a chance to kind of shout out what they loved about this Bucks team this season because it, it was a fantastic season. I think the biggest difference and what that jump was as well. Um, and, and for me, it was the addition of Drew Holiday. It was the fact that they – really worked more as a team instead of Giannis and company. But I'll shoot it over to you again, Kyle. What was it about the Bucks that stood out to you this season that helped them kind of get over the hump from what we saw last season? Yeah, I mean, you already mentioned the acquisition of Drew Holiday was a huge, huge, huge boost for them. And specifically, it really changed kind of the way they played defense. And their defense was, you could argue that that's the reason that they won, um, you know, in the, in the playoffs, in the finals and against the, the, the Nets. Uh, Drew Holiday's defense was a difference maker. Um, Chris Middleton is an above average defender, if not a great defender. Giannis is a defensive player of the year. Uh, so you've got a team where your three best players are all three really good defenders that's going to make it tough to play against. And you definitely saw it in the finals where the Suns were not comfortable. And so I just think that the, the defense for the Bucks was really kind of, you know, intense and fun to watch. Uh, PJ Tucker, another guy who's just, you know, he's known for his defense. And I mean, yeah, like you look at it, the difference between game one and, you know, this last game was they found a way to defend that, kind of pick and roll against the Suns and they they figured out how to do that and not put Brooke Lopez in a position where he had to defend a ball uh, handler so yeah the the Bucks defense was incredible and I had a lot of fun watching this team uh, going into this finals I was fine with either of these teams winning I was definitely rooting for the Suns but I was happy either way and you know now I'm happy to say that Giannis got a ring and when he retires you know 10 15 years down the road we'll be able to say that he got a ring we can then start to argue about his goat status uh but we'll see how he gets there uh for now though we do have to figure out a way to get chris paul his ring (laughs) well we'll see if that happens we'll talk about the suns what the sun's future looks like later on but cooper same thing to you what what helps the bucks get over the hump this year I know, I know you're definitely just some huge Coach Budenholzer fan, so it was probably his coaching. All right, maybe it's not. But what was it for you that really helped the Bucs this season? Well, I mean, even just this past offseason, I feel like Giannis got so much just hate and everything for, you know, staying in Milwaukee. Everybody said, his, his choice to sign that Supermax, what, that was like everyone thought that was going to be like the end of his career in terms of like contention. Just like nobody thought the Bucks were actually going to win a title. And then they trade for Drew Holiday, and everyone's like, they gave up too much money. They got, or not money, they gave up too much in the trade. They got fleeced, all this different stuff. At the end of the day, they're champions. That's what, like, just seeing this Bucks team go from like, like they were getting hated on for no reason, just their players wanting to play there. 
And people hated that, like, because they didn't want to go to LA or New York. And so just the fact that a small, I mean, Milwaukee's not tiny, but like, I mean, you it's saw a small market team. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you see how passionate their fans are and everything, but it's small in comparison to like Chicago and all those places to see a small market team win with a drafted superstar and a uh, second round pick in Chris Middleton as his Batman, as Kendrick Perkins would say. Um, and then uh, Drew Holiday being such an amazing pickup for this team. This Bucks team is so much fun to watch, in my opinion. I'm very excited to see where they can take it um, throughout the rest of this core's run together. You don't know what would have happened if the Nets, if any of those teams had been healthy, or even the teams out West, because that could have changed the matchup for the Bucks. But the Bucks faced the Suns. They faced the Nets when they did. They beat them whenever they did. You beat who's in front of you. Or you play in front of you and they beat them. They beat everyone at the end of the day. They're NBA champions. And I'm very excited. <laughs> they they are NBA champions. And again, they really did deserve it. Um, you know, Giannis, in my opinion, last year kind of dealt with, I mean, he did not play as poorly as LeBron did in the 2011 finals against the Mavericks, but that was his 2011 finals, even though he got eliminated in the second round. He came back, he matured, and he did what he needed for his team and stepped up every time. But also, again, credit to the Bucs organization for building around him more this year. Um, But I feel like definitely that was kind of, this was his, his year it was just meant to be and this next question is not at all meant to discredit the box at all but i think it is a question to ask it's a question we could have asked after this conference semifinals, but we're asking it now who's the nba champions if the nets don't get injured in the conference finals because i will admit with the way that series went i think if Kyrie's healthy i think if james harden's healthy I think we're probably looking at the Nets raising the trophy right now. That is my honest opinion. Um, again, no discredit to the Bucks. They beat who's ahead of you. They did exactly what they needed to do. They could have beat that Nets team. I wouldn't put, put them past them, but they got to go up against a more deflated Nets team, and they took advantage of that, which is exactly what you should do. But who is each of your NBA champions if the Nets don't get two of their big three kind of injured for at least part of that conference semifinals. I'll start with you, Cooper. Do you think the Bucs still win it? Do you think someone else wins it? It's hard to say because that Nets team just has so much talent from one through like, or their point guard, obviously Kyrie, but to like the seventh or eighth man on the bench, that was just a very talented roster. But you know, with their star being Kyrie, Drew Holiday, defensively is a good matchup against that. Chris Middleton, not not the ideal matchup for James Harden because these are, you know, top basketball players in the world that you're trying to stop. You can't stop them. You slow them down. And obviously Giannis on Durant would have been – if I mean, it was a great matchup, but if Durant would have had his co-stars, it would have been even better. I just I, I don't think the Nets would have lost that series, but I think it would have been like a hard fought six or seven games. I just think the Nets would have closed it out. Yeah, it, it went seven games, but I and I think it still goes seven games possibly. But I, I tend to agree. Um, so you're would you agree that the Nets will have gone on to beat the Hawks as well as the Suns as well? I don't know. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a big what if. I understand that, but. I mean, you never know if they could get Kyrie and Harden could get hurt that Eastern Conference Finals and you have Atlanta versus Phoenix. It's impossible to say. Yeah, but assuming everyone's healthy, would you say the Nets were the best team and probably would have won the finals on on the Nets team? I'm not saying everyone is healthy because then, of course, you have the argument of the Lakers, all types of teams. Yeah, I mean, I I think the Nets probably would have won it. It's just so much talent and so much offense power that we have never seen on that level before so yeah and obviously the nets underperformed at times but we never really saw their big three completely healthy they played like 11 games all year together before the playoffs 
Um, it was it was a mess, and maybe that's the downfall of the Nets and what makes them not a super team, um, and what may hold them away from a championship. But Kyle, same question: If the Nets are completely healthy, and we're not playing this with every team, because you could argue possibly if Anthony Davis never gets injured, that the Lakers beat the Suns in the first round, yada yada yada. But the Nets themselves, if they are healthy, do you think they win the NBA championship this year? All right, first and foremost, if we're going with healthy, healthy Lakers winning the finals no matter what. But to answer your question, (laughs) we can't get into that argument because if this game was only played by who has the better team on paper, then we don't even need to play the games. Then we should just hand the Nets the, the trophy because they've got the best team on paper. You still have to play the games and perform. And I think that the, the Bucks performed, and that's why they're the champions. On paper, the Nets had the best team. On paper, the Lakers had a better team than the Suns. And yet, the Suns beat the Lakers in the first round. There are so many different things that you could throw into this argument, so many different variables. You know, the Bucks were without DiVincenzo. Um, the, uh, the Suns, they were without Dario Saric, who you could argue one way or the other was a piece in their plan. They were using him as a player, whatever injuries are part of the game. You play the hand that you're dealt. And in this case, that's why we're talking about the bucks as champions. But, but I guess if I have to answer your question, yes, I do think the nets would probably be NBA champions if they were healthy, uh, unless the Lakers were healthy, in which case then LeBron James gets another ring. ring. The healthy Lakers are not beating a healthy nets team, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, While I do agree with everything you said, I'm glad you answered my question because we were just going to go back to the question you're going to get asked again if you didn't answer it. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think this the Nets team just has unlimited talent. It's a shame that injuries are a thing. Uh, I think if these two healthy teams go up, I think the best series would have been the Bucks versus the Nets in the conference semifinals. It was arguably the best series, anyways, that we saw in the playoffs. But before we kind of wrap up the season as a whole and look a little bit forward to next season, just a little bit, um, the Suns, they will be kind of the start of what we look forward to the season next season. Obviously, I think a lot of people expect, um, you know, the Lakers to come back healthy. Again, I agree with what you said, Kyle. I think the healthy Lakers would be a healthy Suns team. Um, and... Um, stuff like that. But what do the Suns need to do to put themselves in a position that they could win a championship next year? And so I'll start that question with you, Kyle. I think the Suns are close. Like, I think they're right there on the cusp. Um, I would like to see that. I mean, they had good shooters around uh, Booker and, and Chris Paul and they, you know, getting Cam Johnson was getting some, uh, some good looks and, you know, Cameron Payne was getting some good minutes and good looks, but I, I think they really do need a, a three point threat, like a high end three point threat. I think that's one area that they're missing. Cause I, I love Devin Booker on ball, uh, taking his mid range jumpers. Um, I, I think an upgrade over Cam Johnson and Bridges, uh, as a three point shooter would be good. Um, I also think that they need to get a little bit better defensively. Um, I think they've got a good core. They just, there were a couple areas of the, of the game where they weren't super clean. And I think that was kind of the difference. So if they can clean up their defense a little bit and, and, you know, a a more consistent shooter, I think they'd be fine. Shooting. I, I think they're okay shooting personally, but I do understand that feeling. Um, definitely, I feel like they have the shooters around them. I agree on the defensive ends, especially when you look at the bench. I do not love their bench, if I'm honest. Cameron Payne played really well. I also like Johnson. I honestly like Torrey Craig as well, even though he played literally one minute tonight. But the fact is that, well, you know, Jay Crowder a lot of times is playing big man minutes. And I understand that in today's NBA, he really is kind of a can really easily play the four position, but he's playing the five even at times. When he came into the NBA, he was a true small forward. He was an undersized four if he ever played it, and now he's a normal four, undersized five, which doesn't seem right. And their big man, Frank Kaminsky, as well as Dario Saric, who was injured and obviously could have been possibly a game changer when it comes to this finals. I don't love them as the backup big men. I just feel like 
you know, neither of them are really athletic enough for this uh, for this version of the NBA, where you know you're seeing Giannis uh, playing the five at times for the Bucks, stuff like that. I like DeAndre Aiden because he's athletic; he can do a lot more at that center position. I think I kind of agree with you. I think they need to round out their bench a little bit more with more of a defensive, athletic, bigger guy. Um, not saying that like Sarge or Kaminsky are great or are awful defenders, but they're definitely not great defenders either. I think they could use an upgrade there. Someone like a Bobby Portis, if I'm honest. Um, I don't think Bobby Portis is going to Phoenix this offseason. I don't believe he's a free agent. But uh, a player like that, you could see how much it really helped the Bucks. I think the Suns need to go after that same thing um, because they – they have a lot of good offensive talent, and they're not a terrible defensive team, especially if you look at their starting five. Um, but once you look at the bench, it's it's not fantastic. But, Cooper, same question to you. It, how can the Suns kind of keep themselves relevant in this Western Conference? They have a talented roster, but, you know, likely, hopefully we have a healthy playoffs next season, and it's not going to be as easy for them to get to the finals. What are they going to have to do to upgrade and have a chance next year? Well, I even if they stay with the exact same roster and the same coaching staff, even just the experience that they got from this postseason run and being up to on the NBA Finals, that's invaluable. That's that alone could propel this team to a championship, just knowing what to expect, having been there before. But in terms of upgrading the team. If, if this is too far, you can stop me. But they've got <laughs> nice young pieces. They've got some draft picks. Could they get Damian Lillard? I mean, <laughs> that would be pretty fun. That, w- that would be an upgrade. I'm not sure it's realistic. I'm not sure it's worth the risk of how much they'd have to give up. Um, they wouldn't have to give up as much as other teams, of course, because they'd throw in probably Chris Paul or they would throw in Devin Booker. But with that being said, they'd throw in Chris Paul. Um, but I, I love the idea. I'm not going to lie. I love the creativity. But I also want something more realistic as well on top. Well, you know, aside from trading from an, for an established superstar with a collection of bench pieces and draft picks, you know, they could do something a little more realistic, I suppose. And I, I, I don't think, like you said, that Bobby, I don't think he's a free agent, but a player like Bobby Portis, who can be a, even if he's not the first guy off the bench or the second guy off the bench, if he can come into the game um, and just energize you, bring great, hard defense, rebound the ball and score points when needed, that would be I mean, any team wants that, but a team like the Suns, especially a young team like the Suns, I know they've got Chris Paul and everybody loves uh, Chris Paul and, you know, the leadership and all that heard all season. But, you know, you can never do much of that, right? Like, I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but Bobby Portis would be a great one, but I, I don't think he's leading Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what this free agency class looks like, but I completely agree with you. You brought up Chris Paul. Um, I've gone back and forth on whether I asked this question tonight because I don't really love to bash star players after bad performances or anything. Um, but in in your guys' personal opinions, I guess I'll ask the question, how did this finals change your opinions on Chris Paul? Chris Paul is personally, for me, one of my favorite point guards of all time. He is, um, I don't know where I'd rank him. I'd rank him somewhere in the top five of best point guards of all time. Um, not sure I would go as high as two, especially after Curry's career. I think he will probably no longer be number two. But he could slide in at three. He could slide in at four. He could slide in at five for me. Um, but it's more likely that he drops down the list towards four or five because he just did not, like, he really did not show up and go against pressure. I understand Drew Holiday is a great defender, but he looked miscombobulated out there game after game, even in some of the games like tonight. Like, I wouldn't say he played poorly, shooting 11 of 19, had 26 points, but he was a minus eight, had five personal fouls, and had three turnovers, which is kind of un unlike him and only five assists as Kyle mentioned earlier he was scared to kind of really 
touch the ball, bring the ball up at times, stuff like that. I felt like it was not just the fact that he did not play well. It's the fact that he then just ran up and down the court. I, I jokingly said to myself at one point, let Cameron Payne close out this game. I almost feel like they would have been better off because Cameron Payne was not scared to play Cameron Payne's game. Chris Paul was scared to play Chris Paul's game. I was disappointed to see that. And with that, I think his legacy does drop a little bit. Now, he can definitely redeem that by leading the Suns back to the finals next year by having by standing up to another like tough point guard like Drew Holiday and playing his game. But right now, and maybe it's just the recency bias, I'm really disappointed with Chris Paul and not sure that I think of Chris Paul as the same great point guard I did before. He may drop a position or two down my list of great point guards. But starting off with you, Cooper, did you feel like this finals affected your opinion? And I know you're not as much of a Chris Paul lover as I am, but would he drop down your list at all after his performance, how he responded to um, the defense of Drew Holiday, stuff like that? Yeah, well, like, like you said, I've never been the biggest Chris Paul fan. Um, it's not that I've ever disliked Chris Paul. I just never really cared for him. Like, whenever I was young, I liked Darren Williams more because he was from the U of I. Stuff like that, Derek Rose on the Bulls. Like, there were just other point guards I cared about more. With that being said, his longevity, career numbers he's put up, all that, bare minimum, if you don't have him in your top eight point guards ever i don't even want to talk basketball with you you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) with that being said i don't know i've just never been as high on him as others so i'm not the best person to be giving my opinion on chris paul but he it's i it's not unlike him to not show i mean he showed up in the playoffs but it's not unlike him to disappear in the biggest moments or to not always have the best games when his teams need him to have them. We've seen this before from Chris Paul. We've never seen it in the finals. He's never made the finals. He has now, but you know what I meant. Um, I, it, it doesn't hurt his legacy because he's still Chris Paul. I hate the legacy. Like, Oh, did this damage his legacy? I hate all that talk. Cause like at the end of the day, it's still Chris Paul. He's still a top five point guard ever. Yeah, no discredit at all to Chris Paul. He he struggled this series. There's no way around it. Um, and you're right. He has struggled in the past in big moments. With that being said, he's also typically been injured in those moments. I think of that Rocket series where they were in the conference finals. Um, Chris Paul's injury was a huge blow um, to that series. But I also think about times like I want to say it was 2014, 2015 actually. It's 2015. Chris Paul injured himself game seven against the Spurs who were the defending champions and still hit one of the clutchest shots he's ever hit in his life um, over Tim Duncan that led them into the second round um, where they then blew uh, blew a 3-1 lead to the Houston Rockets, uh, which is not the point. But he also has had a lot of times where he's played well in the playoffs that I've seen as well. I think the biggest thing that really bothered me personally of this was it felt like Chris Paul was scared to still play his game, to try his hardest out there, and just kind of gave up on himself, which is what bothered me. But Kyle, you are more of a Chris Paul fan. I know you have the New Orleans Hornets Chris Paul jersey. Very jealous of that. But what was your opinion? How does this hurt help Chris Paul in your eyes? Well, I doubt it's going to help him at all, but... How does this affect Chris Paul and how you view him as one of the top point guards? Uh, First and foremost, I believe that my fandom of Chris Paul rivals yours. I think, uh, well, and I'll use a couple of examples. So like you said, I've got, I've got my Hornets Chris Paul Jersey on right now. Uh, I was rocking that through the entire finals. I should have probably scrapped it after they lost, you know, the third game in a row with me wearing it, but you know, I'm a little bit superstitious. But whatever. But like Chris Paul, back when he was with New Orleans, I fell in love with that dude. The way he played basketball, his, you know, small guy, putting up numbers, putting the team on his back. He was amazing to watch back then. So much so, and you guys will appreciate this because you went through the same freshman English class at Try High that I did with the poetry unit. I remember freshman year of high school making a limerick about Chris Paul. And it started like, 
there once was a kid from Wake who was good with the shake and bake. I remember that very fondly. Huge Chris Paul fan. You guys are never going to forget that limerick now. But uh, (laughs) for real, though, like I fell in love with this guy. And then when the NBA shook my world, when the when the Hornets, Pelicans, whatever you want to call them now, when they were going to trade Chris Paul to my Lakers and the league vetoed that trade because they said it created an imbalance in in the talent level in the league, that it was creating a super team and they weren't about that. That hurt me to my core. That trade was finalized. Both teams agreed to that trade in the NBA because they were they were the, the majority owners basically of the the Hornets, Pelicans, whatever team at the time. They made that trade not happen. And I know it makes sense. It whatever. I'm still upset about that. I'm still offended by that. But Chris Paul did not deserve to have as bad of a finals as he had. And like you said, I mean, I brought it up. He looked scared to bring the ball up. He played so desperate in this series. And you could tell it's because he wanted this ring so bad that he was afraid to mess up. And it bums me out. It makes me sad to see that side of him because we all wanted him to get this ring. And just watching it kind of slip away slowly and knowing that it was not all his fault. Like, it definitely wasn't all his fault. But every little mistake he made made him look a little bit more and more desperate. And so, to me, like, you guys have already said, he's a top five point guard all time. He is the point god for a reason. But this finals was not his best performance. And it just, it looked desperate. It looked kind of sad. And I hope he gets another chance. I, I do too, because it, it did look sad. It would be disappointing if that's the only way we can remember Chris Paul in the finals. And I'm kind of worried it will be. But we'll wrap up two final questions. Um, one about the NBA season as a whole. Um, obviously, it wasn't a totally normal season but closer to a normal season. I'm just curious, what were each of your guys' favorite parts? For me, it had to be the playoffs. Um, You know, that's a very basic answer. And I loved the playoffs last year. Obviously, my Miami Heat went to the finals. Uh, They played against your Los Angeles Lakers, Kyle. Um, And it it was fun to see my Heat do well again for the first time in the playoffs post-LeBron. But I think just seeing the fans back in the playoffs and the energy and the crowd um, it was it was something we hadn't seen in a long time, it felt like, in a very long time. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with the sport of basketball is playoff basketball and how intense it gets, how much the fans get into it. Um, it, it just absolutely made me smile seeing some of these series, especially because both the Bucks fans and the Suns fans were some of the most passionate because, well, the Bucks felt like this was their chance the Suns fans hadn't made the playoffs in 10 years. They were just ready to celebrate something. And they came out and they were just thrilled, exciting to be there. So for me, it was definitely the playoffs. But Kyle, what was your favorite part of this season? Even though it was, you know, a little bit abnormal still. Yeah, that's a tough question for me because I think I was so discouraged by this season. Because at the beginning of the year, you know, there were always there were the complaints, especially from LeBron James early in the year about there not being uh, enough recovery time in the offseason and that it was going to impact the season. They weren't happy with the number of games. They weren't happy with the schedule, uh, blah, 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 blah. There was a lot of complaining in that regard, and I think rightfully so. And we saw that this year with so many injuries and like injuries are always a part of every sport. But it was the big names, the the guys who, who, I don't know, like it just, it seemed like there was an abnormal number of injuries and that really bummed me out this season. But then we got to the playoffs and one of the coolest things about the playoffs, and I think this is probably my favorite part of the season, was seeing the teams that nobody expected to compete early in the season, seeing those teams perform well in the playoffs. Uh, the Suns, for one. Um, I don't know about you and, and Chase, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe in, in the preseason predictions for this uh, for this NBA season, I believe that I had said that the Suns were a playoff team and you said they were a borderline playoff team. Um, and then you look in the same realm of that, 
the Atlanta Hawks in the East. I had them as a, you know, like a six, five or six seed. And I believe you had them not even in the playoffs. So it's like the teams like that, seeing them succeed, I thought was cool because they're one way or the other. We could look at these teams and be like, I don't think they're going to do that well. And then watching them perform well and being like, oh, well, I'm going to eat my words because I definitely did not see that coming. But, you know, it was just kind of cool seeing the, the teams you least expect perform well. All right, I, I do have to defend myself a little bit here. Um, I did not say the Suns were a borderline playoff team. I thought that we were going to see them be a playoff team. I had Devin Booker winning MVP. They were they were not going to be a borderline playoff team and Devin Booker win MVP. Uh, with the Hawks, you are correct. I did not have them in the playoffs, and they do not win, they do not make the playoffs if they had Lloyd Pierce as their head coach all year. Everything changed when they fired him and used intern coach, interim coach, um, Nate McMillan, which I'm glad that he's staying in Atlanta. Also, yes, you're right. Again, I did not have much faith in the Hawks. But before the Hawks-Sixers series started, I did text you and I said, the Hawks could win this series. And then they went on to win that series. So um, you're, you're not wrong. But also, you, you are wrong about the Suns. Um, I, I could not even have predicted the Suns playing this well this year. But I was on the Suns bandwagon. I did feel like the Suns would be uh, possibly a 4-5. Maybe even better if Devin Booker did play up to those MVP expectations and he played well, so did Chris Paul, and they blew past my expectations making the finals. But I, I would tend to agree. I think that was another really fun part was seeing the Hawks, seeing the Suns, seeing these young teams play really well. And, well, hopefully the Hawks don't do what my Miami Heat did. You know, amaze everyone through the playoffs and disappoint next year. But we'll see. Um, but, Cooper, what was your favorite point? And actually, before we get there, I do want to mention, it's also totally fair to say there really wasn't a favorite point of the season. It wasn't the best season. It was short. Um, you know, there were tons of injuries, as you mentioned, Kyle. If you were like, I really didn't enjoy the season, that would have been completely fine. So, Cooper, if you do have a favorite part, what is it? And if you just hated the season, why was that? Uh, well, with my team being garbage and then not having a first draft pick, <laughs> I I personally didn't have that great of a time with my own team. Uh, Zach Levine was good. I liked that. Everyone else kind of made me mad, other than Vooch and Daniel Tice, who also, just real quick side note, Daniel Tice is a free agent. He would be amazing for the Phoenix Suns. I completely agree. I thought that as soon as you said it. I, I, I thought about it right after I stopped talking earlier about it. I was like, Daniel Tice, he's on my own team. <laughs> but... um. In terms of, like, my favorite moment, at least for the regular season, it had to have been Nicole Jokic finally getting respect from, like, all of NBA kind of culture slash media. The dude can hoop. He is so much fun to watch. Even just, like, off the court, he's fun to watch. Like, he's such a great personality. seems like such a great guy, such a great player. I loved getting to see him win MVP. If you want a uh, playoffs favorite moment shout out drew holiday i've got my drew holiday shirt on right now absolutely love the guy he's a i mean some of the stuff i've read about him he's one of the best guys in the nba i love the way he plays the game i love me some drew holiday love me some nikola Jokic. they both had huge years for their teams shout out those guys i know they're listening right now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, that that's fair. I understand that. As much as uh, what saved the season for me is the Suns played really well, and I fell in love with the Suns, especially Devin Booker, during the bubble last year, and then they picked up one of my favorite players of all time, Chris Paul. Um, but I understand the feeling of, hey, this season wasn't the most fun. My team sucked. Because obviously the Heat were, well, no offense, they were better than your Bulls, but they were a disappointment for me. But to wrap up, uh, it's a simple question. It's about the most basic question we can ask looking into next season who's the biggest threat to the box so you can go one from each conference if you only want to have one that's fine as well for me it's the obvious answer of the nets if they're healthy if not i don't know it's hard to say before free agency it's hard to say before damian lillard possibly gets traded stuff like that but right now the nets if they're healthy are scary to me possibly other teams depending on what happens in free agency i think the lakers could compete 
if they have the right roster and make a few changes with the box as well. I think even with this roster, LeBron James is an all-time great. He could make that team compete. But my only answer really would be the Nets. But Cooper, who are the biggest biggest threats to the Milwaukee Bucks that are going to hold them from possibly repeating as NBA champions? I got to go with a Western Conference team. Uh, they play on the West Coast. They're in California. Sacramento Kings, baby. They're <laughs> they're like, <laughs> um, obviously not. No offense to you, Chase. I know you're from the area. I was born in the suburbs of Sacramento. This is true. Fun fact on the podcast. We're we're learning new things about each other tonight on Cut to the Chase. Um, but in terms of an actual answer, you said the Nets. The Nets are the answer, but I don't want to copycat. Out of the East, I don't really see anybody other than the Nets. As of right now, obviously, teams can make changes. Out of the West, it'll be interesting to see uh, LeBron James come back after, you know, a lot of rest. Same for Anthony Davis. They could be good. You know, it's the Lakers as well, so they they can get free agents. They do not care. They, they are a championship um, or bust franchise, and that's how pretty much every franchise should be, but the Lakers especially, like, they will mortgage their future for a ring, which is the end goal. That's what you should do. But I think the Lakers are obviously a team to watch. The Clippers are interesting. But my favorite team out of the West that I think, if healthy, has the best shot from the West would be the Nuggets. Um, Jamal Murray and Jokic, maybe Michael Porter Jr. if he can take another step. Them against the Bucks in the finals would be a great series, in my opinion. I, I could see that. That's an underrated choice, definitely, from the West. But, Kyle, wrap us up tonight. Who would be your pick? I have a feeling you're going to bring up your Los Angeles Lakers, but who's the biggest threat to the Milwaukee Bucks next season? Okay, so, first and foremost, I refuse to give any credit to the snake that is Kevin Durant. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say I don't think the Nets are going to win it all next year. You can quote me on that. You can put that in your podcast next season. It will season be in the, when the Nets, Yeah, when they win it all next season, you can say Kyle Boward said they weren't going to do it. I don't like Kevin Durant. I don't want to see him succeed. I'm sorry. Uh, I do think there are three teams, realistically, um, that could, could beat the Bucks next year. Uh, but it's all there, – there are three teams that need to make a move. There are three teams that are all missing a piece of some sort. Um, and they need to do something about it this offseason. So starting in the East, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, they need to figure out what they're going to do with Ben Simmons. Um, If they're going to keep Ben Simmons, what they really need is a shooter alongside him. Uh, They can't rely on Seth Curry to be their shooter. That's just not going to work out for them. Joel Embiid is a stud when he's healthy, um, and Ben Simmons plays really good defense and is a good playmaker, but oftentimes they they look lost when they have to run their offense through Ben Simmons. So if they can go out and, you know, if they can make a trade for a C.J. McCollum alongside uh, Embiid and and Simmons, I think that's a team that could beat the Bucs. The next team also from the East, the Boston Celtics. I'm not going to rule out the Boston Celtics forever because like the Lakers, they're a team that is a championship or bust kind of team. They will go out and make a move. I think Jason Tatum is still an absolute superstar in this league. Uh, I do think that they need to figure out what they're going to do about that uh, point guard position now that Kimball Walker is bye-bye. Um, if they can upgrade that point guard position, um, I think they're a team that could definitely beat the Bucks. And then going to the West, it's obvious. My pick in the West is the Lakers, but I do think – that they need to make a big move. I don't think that the roster they have right now when healthy is enough to beat the Bucks. Um, I, I do think that there's, there's an outside chance, and this is me getting hyped up for this, there's an outside chance that they can make a move for Damian Lillard. And if that happens, it's over. It's done with the Lakers or the champs next year. Um, but we'll see if it's Dame Dalla time in L.A. 
I think it will take a lot for it to be Dame Dollar time in LA. I think it will take Davian Lillard saying that he wants to be a Los Angeles Laker. But I agree with you, especially if they get Lillard. Um, you know, Celtics are an interesting pick. I feel like they're one year away. This upcoming season, I think they'll be better than they were this past year. But I think it will be a mixture of moves this offseason throughout next year and next offseason. And then in that 2022-2023 season, they will be a big threat. And I hope to see soon we see the Celtics in the NBA Finals because I also really love Jason Tatum. It's funny, you know, Kyle and I, we seem to have a lot of very similar favorite players, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, That was the final wrap-up, you know, 50-minute podcast to end off the NBA season, but well worth it. Um, Thank you to both of you for coming on throughout most of the finals um, and throughout the past few months covering everything NBA and other sports-wise. It's it's been a joy. Sadly, no NBA basketball until October, but that being said, uh, we're eight days away from the NBA draft. We're short going to come up on free agency there will still be all types of basketball podcasts coming thank you all for listening um, i want to talk a little bit about the future of this podcast stuff that could be coming up for example i will be taking about a week off it's my mother's birthday i'm going to see her this weekend happy birthday jackie happy birthday jackie Hi, williams um well me and me and her are gonna have some fun in nashville with my sister Um, But once I get back, you know, the Olympics will be in full swing, hopefully. Um, You know, there's rumors that it might last second get canceled, but I can't, I do not expect that to happen. Um, I think it would take a lot for that to happen still. Um, But there will definitely be be some Olympic podcasts. Starting next Friday, I'll have interview spotlights again. Um, And then schools, some school stuff starts for me pretty early in August, about a weekend. Um, But once school calms down for me, there might be some big changes to the podcast. Don't want to hint about anything. Have to check in with some people, figure some things out. Um, But, you know, keep up with a lot of news that could be changing. But anyways, as always, thank you all for listening. This has been Cut to the Chase, and we out.